was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was the one whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is a brief but a very important text. In here we find some fundamental Christian doctrines, some very important Christian doctrines we find here. And I want to point out five of those doctrines about the Word of God or the Logos, the Greek word Logos, the Logos of God. So here we go. In the beginning was the Word, or Logos. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. So this passage is telling us that Jesus pre-existed. Not necessarily an easy concept for me to wrap my brain around, but Jesus did not just begin to to exist when he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and Mary gave birth to him. He didn't just begin to exist then. He existed from the beginning. Um, This idea is also reflected in Jesus' own words in John 8. Jesus is having a conversation with the Jews. And at the conclusion of the conversation, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. Well, this, of course, is 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 an allusion to the Old Testament usage. God revealed himself to, to Moses as I am who I am. And do you remember Jesus' final prayer? Father, glorify thou me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was made. Jesus refers to glory he had with the Father before the creation happened. We also find this pre-existence idea in in Paul's writings and also in in some Jewish thought. So, number one is the pre-existence of the Logos or the Word of God. 
Okay, the pre-existence. Secondly, John uses the Logos idea to assert the deity of Jesus. He says, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Well, he pre-existed and he's God already. Okay. The pre-existence, um, the pre-existent God came to dwell with men in the form of Jesus. And he's deity. There's some scholarly you know, debate on whether all of God was, was in Jesus or just, you know, a portion of God or whatever. We won't solve that this morning. We'll, we'll solve that some other time. But nonetheless, Jesus is God. Jesus is deity. This is a fundamental Christian doctrine, the, the, the deity of, of Jesus. Okay, so we have a pre-existent Jesus. We have Jesus as deity. The agent of creation. The third doctrine we find here about, about the Logos is, is uh, through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was the agent of creation. It doesn't say that he was the ultimate source of creation, but that everything was made through him. We also see this in Paul's writing, 1 Corinthians 8. All things came from God through Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning, and he was God's agent of creation. Okay, the next doctrine about the the Logos is the Word became flesh, verse 14. We have a preexistent Word, a Word who is deity, God's agent of creation, and now we have the Word who becomes human flesh. This concept of, of Jesus being flesh is troublesome for and, and refutes some you know, Hellenistic philosophical and, and Gnostic dualisms, that sort of thing. They separate God from his world. These philosophies don't allow that deity could take up flesh. And I admit that it's not easy to think about. But nonetheless, uh, God entered human history not as some phantom, but as a real man, flesh and blood. God himself was present in the flesh. Within Jesus was deity and humanity. But he wasn't 50-50. He wasn't 50% human and 50% God. He was 100% of both. Now, that's really confusing. <laughs> I mean, there, there are things about him that, that are just difficult to understand, but nonetheless, he was deity and he was human. The fifth meaning of Logos is that he has come in the flesh as revealer. He comes to reveal to human beings life, light, grace, truth, glory, even God himself. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. I, I have to confess that these concepts of Jesus be- existing before and outside the boundaries of time and space 
that being the agent of creation and then subsequently stepping into history as both God and flesh, they're difficult for my finite brain to grasp all of that. I mean, that's, that's tough. But what I can say is that we don't come here to worship a wimpy God. We don't come to sing and to pray to a God who is not able. We come to worship a God who created time, space, matter, and stepped into that creation as human flesh, as God's word, to be the one who reveals God, who, who brings God's presence and into our midst. God's, uh, Jesus' stepping into creation was God's desiring to communicate himself to us. He wanted us to be, wanted, he wanted to be known, wanted us to know him. So Jesus took on flesh, stepped in, and became God's word, and the, the God who, who communicates to us. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus defines and reveals God the Father. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Okay. There's your doctrine, doctrinal lessons. So we have this pre-existent figure who creates and steps into his creation, both divine and human, and reveals God. And what do we do about that? What difference does that make? God has this word, Jesus, who reveals him to the world. You could say in a certain way that Jesus defines God. Well, my, my question this morning is, what defines you? What, what defines me? What defines us? There are, there are many ways that, that, and many words we can use to define ourselves. Someone asks you to describe yourself. You might begin by telling them about your family, your education, your employment. I'm married. I have two daughters. I'm working as a water operator. Some people call me water boy. That's true. Or, I'm a farmer, I'm a teacher, I'm a mechanic, pianist, electrician, counselor, law enforcement officer, veteran, attorney, parent, child, husband, wife, engineer, banker, seamstress, clerk, custodian, cook, driver, bicycle repairman, boss, laborer. Who'd I miss? I, miss, I, miss, I know I missed one or two. Some people want to be thought of in terms of the car they drive or the amount of money they have. Some people strut around and, and want to be highly thought of. Some people play the victim and want you to know how many times they've been wronged in life and how their whole life they've been treated badly. You've met a few people like that, sure. Some people put others down in order to try to elevate themselves. All the time trying to, to tell you something wrong with what another person did. A lot of the time the reason is that they don't want to look in the mirror and face the reality of who they've become. And then there's a the temptation to think that God can't forgive me for all I've done. I'm such a stinking rotten person. How could God forgive me? I'm, I'm too far gone. My response to that 
line of thinking is baloney. Your God's not big enough. I don't know what kind of puny little God you're, you're worshiping, but that's not the God of the Bible. Your God isn't the one who existed before time began, created time, space, and matter, put on human flesh, came um, and revealed God, revealed his love and his grace, revealed an almighty and all-powerful God. Your God is way too small, if that's, if that's the thought process that you're going through, that he can't forgive me, I'm, I'm gone too far. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, isn't that small. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. But if you think that God can't forgive your sin or reform your life, you're not worshiping this God. You're not worshiping my God. You got some puny little God in a tiny little box, and you need to open that box and get him out of there. Because this God doesn't fit in that little box. You might be tempted to think that wading through Christian doctrines such as the pre-existent Jesus, the deity of Jesus, Jesus as the agent of creation, the word of God becoming flesh and Jesus the revealer of God are unexciting and boring. And if you do, you're missing the point. If you think your problems are too big for God, then you don't know this God. You need to get familiar with him. This God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God who waited into human history in the form of a baby in a manger, the God who took your sin and mine, bled, was crucified, died, but who conquered death and rose up from the grave, this God is able. Your sins, your problems, your cares, your concerns... Your burdens are not too big for this Jesus. I cannot tell you why he does not always answer prayer in the time frame and the manner that we ask. I cannot. I cannot give you that answer. It's not that it's too big of a problem for him to solve. I'm convinced of that. The challenge for me, I'm talking about me personally. The challenge for me is to submit my will to his. Too much of me seems to get in the way at times. The challenge for me is to allow God to speak into me. To allow his word to come into me and for him to speak his word into me and through me. That's the challenge for me. To allow that word to transform me. I ask you again, what defines you? Maybe we could rephrase the question, who defines you? Are you allowing Jesus to penetrate the deep recesses of your heart? Jesus wants to be the one who gives definition to our lives. That's the reason he came. To reveal God for his word to transform us. But the interesting thing about this God who creates and then puts on, on humanity. 
is that he values our choice. He will not come in and transform you against your own will. It doesn't work that way. How often does pride get in the way? Fear of what others think prevents us sometimes from submitting to him. I can't do it for you. I can't do it for me most days. God will not force you, but he does draw us by his spirit. The challenge is for us to submit to the word. To submit to this this all-powerful, pre-existent word, God. He desires to speak into and over us and through us. We're going to sing in just a moment. If you need prayer, if you need confession, if you need to submit yourself to him, if you want to give yourself to Jesus in baptism, if you need to respond in some way, I'm here. The elders of our church are here. Jason is here. Well, not this morning, but generally speaking, he's here. Um, Come and talk to one of us. We're we're glad to, to help you with whatever the need might be. The word of the Almighty God is powerful enough. If you question that, your Jesus isn't big enough. So I I invite you to get to know this Jesus. The question is, will we submit to him? Will we humble ourselves and allow him to, to lift us up, to do the lifting up? Will we allow the word of God to define us, to be that which gives definition to our lives? Let's sing. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.